0: Welcome to the Real Talk Real Estate Podcast with hosts Aleem Savani
1: and Brandon Daniel. Welcome to Real Talk Real Estate. My name is Aleem Savani.
0: And I'm Brandon Daniel.
1: Today we have a special guest. We have a good friend of mine, a broker of record from REMAX Hallmark First Group. Sam Garnier. Welcome, Sam. Thank you very much, Alim, and thanks.
0: Yeah, welcome. We've actually spoken once before, but never had the chance to meet. Yeah. So it's a pleasure meeting you, and yeah. thanks for joining our show. Thanks a um, lot for having me. Yeah, thanks. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into real estate? How long you've been doing this?
2: So let's go back. We're going to rewind the clock a few years now. So um, let's go back to college, essentially. I was planning on becoming a chef, actually. I went to School for Culinary Arts. I started my apprenticeship right down the street, actually, at North 44. And uh, that pretty quickly turned into, I don't want to do this anymore. And I knew I wanted to get into business. I didn't know what in business I wanted to get into. I do recall when I was working in a restaurant uh, during my orientation, actually, at a hotel restaurant. There was a lady there, and she had a suit on, and she was like, I work in HR, and here's your orientation. I had no clue what that was. So I started my apprenticeship. And uh, I did it for a couple of years. I gained a, quite a bit of hours in those few years because I worked 12 hours a day, six days a week. So obviously I'm a worker. And I one day I said, this isn't for me. I picked up my tools and I, I walked out of the door. And uh, I had to figure something else out at that point. So I went back and I found out that person obviously worked in HR. I said, maybe this is something I can do. So I went to school for HR and that's how I met Aleem. Um, so while I was in school full time, I got a job at Rogers. Uh, Naleem and I worked together for a number of years while I was working my way through school. And I left school and I got my first job out of uh school in HR. And I was like, my gosh, my paychecks here are crazy, they're not as high as you thought. <laughs> no, I mean, more <laughs> selling cell phones, yeah, then than I did, did in HR. my first job. But believe me, when I sold cell phones, everybody came to the booth, they bought a phone. Yeah. And I was like, I could sell, obviously. So um, while I was working at the company, uh, Remax Hallmark, the same brokerage I work for, they had a position open and they were looking for a recruiter. So I said, I can do that. I'm a recruiter right now of an HR background. I was working for a staffing firm. Um, So I applied for that position and I met with Deborah Bain, who's the president of Remax Hallmark Group of Companies. And we had a a nice sit down. We were chit-chatting and stuff. Very informal meeting. And she's like, I'll take a chance on you. So luckily that chance she took on me actually worked out. And then I got in the position as a recruiter and I found it really quickly. I was like, man, I should get my license. I think I knew that within the first week of starting at Hallmark internally in administration that I wanted to get my license. So I did just that. I got my license. It took me about eight months. I failed, I think, every course once or twice. I, the first course I did, I got 73% on. I'm like, how well, am I feeling I, this?
1: I feel it, you failed too, right? Like I failed, I failed course the two sec, twice. Yeah, so hard. Was yeah. The longest one. It, it was tough.
2: But. I did the second course like three times. Yeah. Oh, okay, so yeah. you know it very well now. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh my gosh. Anyways, I did the courses and I finally finished the courses and I, I, I got my license. I'm like, hey, what next? So I tried it for a couple of months and I joined a team and I just took off from there. I was door knocking every single day. I was cold calling. I was doing all the activities and I did like 35 transactions in my first year. Wow. And, you know, after that, it was it was going really well. And I got into my second year, it was going really well. And then um, my wife got pregnant and we had our first daughter. Her name is Emma. Yeah. Uh, she was born in June 2015. That's a great name. My daughter's name is also oh, yeah? Emma. Oh, there you <laughs> know, yeah, go. There something you in go. Common. I just met you. Now yeah. we have something in common. <laughs> Um, yeah, we had our, our daughter and by then I'm in real estate for a few years on a full-time basis. And I quickly realized, and you know, it started taking a toll on my personal life. I was never home. I was working nonstop. And you asked me, you know, how did I get into the position I'm in now? So I went back to Ken and Deborah. I'm like, Hey, you know, i got to take a step back from the selling full-time. I just want to take a break for now. Well, that was, uh, now turned into a six year break, almost seven years, I ended up back into a a leadership position within REMAX Hallmark group of companies. And one thing led to the next. They asked me if I wanted to be a manager in one of the offices or an assistant manager. I did that. And they said, do you want to be a manager? Three months later, I said, sure. What does that mean? Pretty much the same thing. Title change. Um, And then about 11 months after that, they asked me to take another office. So I was working in two offices. Um, And then we took over Durham region in 2017. And when that happened, things changed. I was already living in the East End. And I went to them. I said, you know, this commute's killing me. I hated commuting every single day to the office. So, so where was your office before? Pape and Danforth. Oh, so, so and the Danforth. old Pape office, oh, yeah. which is now at 630 Danforth Avenue, which is still a Pape and Danforth. We opened a brand new uh, facility there. Um, I was working at that office. So, I was commuting from the East End, Pickering, Scarborough border all the way down there every day, and I hated it. Um, so, we took over Durham Region in 2018. I started working out there. And then in early 2019, they asked me to go in there full time. I didn't know what that meant. I just said, okay, I'll do it. And then growth started happening and we started bringing on more agents and we started hiring more agents. And, you know, my name started getting out there a lot more as, you know, a broker. Um, and then Alim came back in 2020. Well, actually, I door knocked Aleem once. Yeah, so we lost. We lost Tell them that story. Yeah, yeah,
1: so we lost touch for a little bit. Yeah. And then when I was living in Ajax... He actually door knocked my house and he asked to sell the house. Yeah, (laughs) And I said, no, (laughs) because we were not selling at that time. But then we reconnected. And from there, we've been like constantly talking. I call him for all my real estate stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, was it 2020, 2021? It
2: was over COVID.
1: Yeah. He's like, you should get your license. I've been thinking about it. And then, yeah, I took the chance and I got it. You jumped in. I jumped in and I'm having fun.
0: That day he went door knocking. Yeah. And ended up at your uh, door yeah. as part of the reason why you're in real estate. Today. Basically, that that is kind I of... I think so, yeah. I think that yeah. is the reason, yeah. I never yeah. thought of it like that. Everything mm-hmm. happens for a reason. Yeah.
1: Because, like, we didn't talk for a couple of years. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know you're real estate agent. You just knocked our door. hmm And, yeah, I think that is the reason. That's cool. Yeah.
2: So I was doing a lot of door knocking then. Like, I would door knock every single day, 50 homes a day. Uh, so 250 homes a week and keep track of it like that. So we had a listing in South Ajax. And that's how I ended up bumping into a lean. well, yeah, we were we were door knocking it, and and I bumped into you. In fact, I bumped into other agents while no. door knocking as well. I thought it was hilarious because agents were always like, "What are you doing out here door knocking?" And I'm thinking, "What are you doing at home?" Like yeah. it's Monday <laughs> at twelve <12:00 laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. What are you doing at home? Like get to work, right? Yeah. So anyway, so I ended up back into Durham region as more of in a managerial role, um, and then it started growing, and it, it grew to a point where we had to hire another manager. So I did that, and more recently. It came to a point, Okay, well, we have to have a broker of record in Durham region. So I was a broker manager for a number of years. And a few weeks ago, we transferred it to broker of record for Durham region for myself. So um, with that, you know, obviously, there's been investments and stuff coming along the way for myself, which has been great. um, But I now have a larger or long term future within real estate on the managerial side, the brokerage side. And I think that, you know, it's a natural stepping stone for a lot of people to move into a role like this. But some people want to sell forever, and that's perfectly fine. But that's sort of my story
0: in real estate. Cool. I want to actually just go back because we just spoke about door knocking very briefly. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we had a conversation on the phone, um, we brought up door knocking. Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you that I was door knocking. And one of the things you said to me, like, are you door knocking with a purpose? Um, So can you explain
2: that a little bit? Yeah. What does door knocking with a purpose mean? So... I can be honest. I've never door knocked somebody and said, you know, my name is Sam. I'm a local realtor in the area. I don't even know how to do that. Um, When I say door knock with a purpose, are you door knocking with, you know, I have a just listed or, you know, coming soon listing or an open house or just sold? Because then the conversation becomes a lot easier when you're just basically saying, you know, my name is Sam I work at Remax. We just sold a home around the corner from you. Now you have a purpose of being there versus just saying I'm a local realtor and I want to get your business eventually. What what? Or you bringing it to the table on top of that, it's what kind of my thought process was. And don't get me wrong, a lot of agents door knock like that, and it works for them. I think you have to find out what works best for you. And I always found that door knocking with a
0: purpose works best for me, so I like doing it. Okay, I totally agree. And I didn't see it that way until mm-hmm. you brought that to my attention because I was doing what you're saying, just Like door door-knock- knocking without yeah. much of a purpose, right? Yeah. I was door knocking, introducing myself, saying, you know. I'm a realtor in this neighborhood. Do you have any plans on selling in the near future? Any way I could help you. But yeah, I didn't have any listings in that neighborhood because, you know, being brand new. Mm -hmm. No one knew me either. So, yeah, it's good to know.
1: Talking about being brand new, um, you probably the best person to ask this. Mm -hmm. For a new real estate agent, how do they get their name out there? Like, how do you compete with so many people already have big names, right? So let's look at it. There's 67,000
2: realtors in the Toronto Real Estate Board. It's a lot of realtors. We're the largest board in North America. Um, and when you have that much competition, you have to kind of look at it. What is your actual competition? And I always talk to agents. I'm like, you know, your competition is not the 67,000 other agents out there. Your competition is yourself and your business plan you put in place. And we're going to probably talk about this. We too, bit, but yeah. So many agents don't actually have that in place. So how do you set yourself apart from the other agents? Is Sort of your question, it's really not being a secret agent. You know, a lot of agents get their license and don't no even know they're agent. Like you just said, I was a secret agent at one point, and it was because I think it's a mental thing. I was like, you know, I don't want to go crazy on social media and put myself out there. What are my friends gonna think? What are my family members gonna think? And really, truly, it doesn't really matter what they think. You yeah. don't really pay your bills. I was like, I gotta get myself out there a lot more, and I think that's where being a secret agent is. Like, how much are you getting yourself out there? Are you using the tools of social media to your advantage? Um, are you going to other agents? Like you're just talking about door knocking with a purpose. Like you can go to agents in your office who currently has listings in that area and say, Hey, do you mind if I circle prospect your listings? Like, guarantee they're not probably doing it themselves. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know what I
2: mean? So I think that's how you really differentiate yourself by just putting yourself out
0: there. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So for newer agents, um, how many agents do you see making it past, let's say the two year mark. And I guess they do you see them leaving after that first couple of years? And what would be the reason why they maybe quit? So, I mean,
2: I think it's a two-part question. And I think you'd it would stretch beyond two years. So usually, anytime you have a business or you're running a business, it takes about two years to turn a profit. So you're going to sink a ton of money into the first couple of years. And then after that, you're going to probably, hopefully, turn a profit. Most agents, have they don't get the respect for this business until they hit about five years in this business. And when I say that, I mean... They understand the actual transaction, not the point of just throwing offers in or what does an offer mean. They understand the nuances that happen in transactions and how to overcome those problems as well. So I think that a lot of agents, there's right now, last that I read, it could be outdated at this point, is about 25% of new registrants actually survive and and pass five years in this business. Okay. Oh, wow. So imagine over two years, probably even less than that. But a lot of agents fail because they don't either have a business mindset, they don't treat it like a business, they just kind of, oh yeah, my friend's going to buy, my friend's going to sell, or I have a cousin, or whatever the case is. But if you don't actually look at it as like a business and have a business plan, your chances of success or your success rate drop significantly.
1: Yeah, okay. it's and like when you come into real estate, like I didn't know real estate like agents do a business plan, right? To me, a business plan was more something like if you're starting a new business, mm-hmm. you know, what's your plan, what's your growth and everything. I know you guys focus on business plans a lot, but what do you think the key thing is about a business plan that makes someone successful?
2: Failure rate. So you asked me a question about failure rates mm-hmm. and I think I'm very selective on hiring agents, especially now because we've built a, such a strong culture in a region that I work in. I have to be very selective on who I hire. I just can't hire any just bodies to come in and, and work. And now that sounds pretty bad, but I have to protect the environment that we've created and we've cultivated in our region. We have, you know, some of the highest performers that work in our brokerage in the industry. They work for Hallmark. So, um, you know, it's very really important that we select strong agents who actually want to do business planning and focus on running it like a business versus just, you know, being in that rat race or hamster wheel all the time, sort of trying to figure out your your life every single day. that's that answer your question?
1: Yeah, answer my question. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, good stuff. Um, yeah, so we've had this discussion before where I said I felt pretty uncomfortable um reaching out to my close relatives. Yeah, so family, yeah. Our difference is I hit, yeah,
1: I hit my I I've hit my network hard and he hasn't as much, Brendan, because yeah, if you, you feel I, like embarrassed or I prefer
0: like, to go to a complete stranger I'll have that elevator conversation I'll start talking to random people in my you know in my community or like whether it's on the street you know walking in the neighborhood I'll just start talking to a, a complete stranger and tell them that I'm in real estate right but mm-hmm. for me to actually reach out to my friends family and start I don't know I feel like how do I How does that newer agent have that conversation with people without making it seem like you're just trying to get their business? I guess you could just call, say, hey, what's up? How's life? How's things going? Mm -hmm. But do you have any tips? Because the way we do things are totally different. And I'm trying to get comfortable with that.
2: Well, I think the difference that you guys have, Aleem, when you started, I was your point of contact for everything. Much like other agents as well. It's not a favoritism whatsoever. But you would call me and like, what do I do next? What do I do next? I'm like, okay, we'll do this, do this, do this. And you listen, you did it. And look at your success that you're receiving today. Yeah. Only a few years in, like you're you're going to do much better than most agents currently do in the Toronto Real Estate Board. So I think it's a mentorship thing that's happened because when you start in real estate, like you have to create a list and a database and it's four pillars of real estate, right? So you think about your four pillars Your number one pillar is your sphere of influence, one that you're not touching or you're afraid to touch or whatever the case is. Number two is your database. Keep them separate. I always keep it separate. Why not? Because how do you fill your database? It's by prospecting and online leads. So you have your your sphere of influence that you're touching. You have your database that you're touching. And your database is being built by strangers. But your sphere is always there. So how do you target those people? And typically speaking, it's one, do you have a CRM? And are you calling them and just saying, what's up? You know, I'm in real estate. The chances of your friend and family member using you is pretty low, anyways. It's okay. I had to go through that, but a lot of friends and family members who didn't use me, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I've experienced that. So. Yeah, and it you know it sucks. It it hurts at first. I know the feeling is like, oh my gosh, why would this person not use me? Yeah. But you got to understand where they're coming from too. You're you're dealing with their personal finances, and a lot of times they may not want to they have don't want that want you disclosed. To see it disclosed. Yeah, they don't that's
0: want one to see. the things I
1: was thinking. Of. Yeah,
2: they may not want you to see what's yeah. going on in the, on their side, right? Yeah. At the same time, you know that a sale of a transaction, you're not going to really know all their personal finances. Yeah. But in their mind, they're uneducated. And that's that's on us. By not educating them correctly to give them the information needed so they know that they can rely on you. And quite frankly, you will probably work harder for your friends and
1: family members because. No, definitely you work harder because I've done some for friends and family. Mm -hmm. I work 10 times as hard to make sure everything is perfect every step of the way mm-hmm. compared to someone who's contacted me on social media and I've never met before. 100%. But, like, I still put 110% in it, but I'm more worried about the friends and family.
0: Yeah, because your name's on the line there. Your name's on the line
1: right? right and you so want that repeat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's tough, but I think maybe it's something you could... Try and get to my. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, Pick my up the network. phone. Yeah. <laughs>
2: write down, like, what you could do, an easy thing to do is just write down all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just choose 10 of them.
0: Yeah. So I have a CRM. I have them all. And, mm-hmm. like you said, like, separate it. And I have it, like, kind of separated mm-hmm. to who's my friend's family and who's people that I met through uh, Google leads or I use Agent Locator to yeah. get leads through, through that. Yeah. great. Right? So, I, but I find that I'm still in. Repeating the same, I guess, bad habits, contacting those people I don't know first and not keeping in touch with the close people, you know, the people close so to So, why don't you do a newsletter then and blast a newsletter to your family and friends? I'm doing on that. a monthly basis. Yeah. So, I'm actually getting touch that. base on that. So, they're getting my newsletter um, once a month. Mm-hmm. But I probably should be following up with it, right? Saying, "Hey, what do you think about my newsletter? Maybe is there anything that what's the topic
2: of conversation? Is yeah. there anything that I could fix on it? Is there anything you like to see better or more, or you know, more of? Yeah, or do point. like a
1: little giveaway at the end of the month, yeah. say fifty bucks. Yeah, giveaway. Well, okay. That's not a bad idea. You can ask them, like, you know, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, on how does this look? Like, mm-hmm. is there yeah. A Some reason- feedback? Yeah, right? any feedback? Like, is there, a re- is there a reason maybe I should add something else to it? Or yeah, does it catch your eye? Okay. Like, I think the main thing is you have to let everybody know that you're a real estate agent. Yeah. And that's just a conversation, right? So any way you can plug yourself, you got to plug yourself. Yeah. But make it subtle.
2: Another thing too, a lot of agents, what they do is they get started in this business and they create a whole new Instagram account. I did, see, I did. that. I didn't do that. I kept uh, my own. I no, just no, I, switched rebranded professional. it and maybe just remove some of the drinking and partying pics that you may I have. Put in all, there.
0: I put most of my family pics. You know, yeah. just
2: well. I started a whole brand new account. <laughs> yeah, a lot of agents is yeah. oh, I have to create a new. No, use your current Instagram account. You already have the thousand followers on it. Yeah. And how do you build that now and put up proper content so people can actually know that you're in real estate? And how often are you reminding them that you're in real estate? Having your logo on your Instagram page is not reminding anybody. Yeah. But are you posting that you're showing houses or you're doing CMAs or you're door knocking? Are you are actually doing out the, the daily grind of real estate? And you you know a lot of agents fail because they are afraid to do that daily grind. They don't want to prospect enough. Like Deborah Bain has always said, Sam, if you prospect for two hours a day for one year, every single day you door knock for two hours, or you cold call, you'll have so much business you have no idea what to do with it. And it's so true. Time and time again, it goes to show. I have agents who work in our offices who just picked up and started prospecting every single day. A year later, they're just going
1: crazy amount of calls they're getting because they did the actions. You do the work or the results won't come. Yeah, you had to put the work into it. Mm -hmm. You notice on your side that a lot of agents don't prospect enough? Yeah. Lead gen is always a big problem. Yeah.
2: Everything everything we do is always geared towards lead gen. And I I know agents, personally know agents who do, you know, the upper tier of uh you know, gross commission uh, in our business and there's still conversation the conversations around um uh, lead gen. How do I get more leads? You know, what so am maybe, I gonna do get more maybe, leads? Maybe
1: it's a question, why do why do people not want to door knock then?
2: Well, I think there's other areas of prospecting. You can yeah. you can door knock. You can cold call. You can you know hit up your sphere of influence. You can um, focus just on lead generation. Whether that's you know looking at the, the Tom Ferry ty- type of real estate, you have two options to capture clients. You have check equity or sweat equity. Check equity things like farming, dropping flyers, dumping a whole ton of money into online leads, all that stuff. Or you have sweat equity. You put your shoes on and you start door knocking. But what is your mindset when you're door knocking? That's nine-tenths of the law in real estate. If if you have a positive mindset every single day, positive things will happen to you. Yes, yeah. But if you think in a negative space, you're screwed. It's like, you know, you go to a parking lot. I remember when I was in college and a teacher brought this up when I went to remember the class. But I do remember what the saying was. And she's like, Sam, when you go to uh, a shopping mall at Christmas and you think to yourself, man, I never get a spot. At the front of this parking lot, are you going to get a spot in front of the parking lot? Probably not, because your head's not in that same game. But if you say to myself, "I'm going to get a spot at the front of this parking lot today," guarantee it. For some reason, a shot, a spot magically appears, and it's no different with prospecting. If you go into the day and say, "And I used to work with Michelle Fraser," and I'm going to name drop a lot of people here today because they've all impacted my career in some sort of uh, way. I I remember Michelle calling me; she's like, "Sam." Your mind's off today. I'm like, why? Why do you say that? She's like, I can just hear it in your voice. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. She's like, don't door knock today. I said, I have to door knock. I have to get my my fifty fifty door knocks out. She's like, don't do it today. I said, why? She's like, because your mindset sucks. It sucks. Don't do it. And then and then she's like, when you have that mindset going into a door knocking day, you're not going to get a lead because your your head's out of the game. Come back tomorrow, fresh, and I promise you to get a lead.
1: And sure enough, I got a lead. It's all about mindset. No, I believe the mindset too, because there's sometimes when I'm working on certain things, even door knocking or even mm-hmm. prospecting, calling, cold calling. If my mind's not there, I'll stop. Mm-hmm. I think we've had this conversation before. I will just put the phone down. I'll go do something else and start again the next day. But I'll do double the work and get double the results because there's yeah. a clear mind. You might you're you're more positive. You're not like dreading every single knock or call, right?
2: Yeah, but how many times do we talking? I'm like. You know, your emotions are the transaction, yeah. things like that. So although I, I may come across as a little harsh in that, in that sentence or that conversation, but it's because I care. Yeah. I want you to actually do the transaction. I'm going to tell you something you may not want to hear. And that's my broker style in general. I say things to our agents that most brokers probably would never dare say because brokers and brokers are always so afraid, oh, I'm going to lose an agent, I'm going to lose an agent. Just be upfront and transparent with that agent. You're probably not going to lose them. And you're going to help them for themselves to grow to have that conversation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And yeah, to your point of mindset, although like I'm looking fairly casual today, if I'm going to go out and you know, prospect or go meet people, I feel a lot more confident when I put on something
1: nice. If when I put you put on, on like a suit, suit
0: or like it a It does shirt. something to your mindset. Oh, I have a whole conversation around that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is, but everything changes about my yeah. personality. I feel a higher level yeah. of confidence. I just, in, day goes a lot better. It's just, I don't it's know what it is. It's funny you say but... that.
2: It's so funny you say that because a lot of agents come to me and say, they're like, if they see me in jeans, they're like, i never seen you in jeans before. And then I don't own jeans. I do own jeans. I just don't wear them very often in a business setting. So I was cold calling one day. And this day, I swear to you, I got 871 attempts. I was using Mojo Dialer. I wasn't getting any appointments. I'm like, I'm not going home until I get an appointment. So I'm there cold calling. And it's. I remember 871, I got an appointment. So I shut it off. And Steve Tabrizi comes in the office. And Steve, I guess... I'm very much like Steve now, at the point, like he's very much like me. we're very similar in a lot of ways we're very drive we're driver personality like let's get the job done and whatever it takes us make it happen so I'm very junior really green, wet behind the ears, and i'm cold calling I'm trying to get an appointment, and I'm wearing uh like chinos a uh, pair of boat shoes and a white dress shirt. look how I was going to go on like a nautical explorer right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and he walks and he's like. What the hell are you doing? I said, "What do you mean? What I'm doing?" This is Steve Dubrizzie. Like, you, you, so for people who don't know, he's the CEO is? of Remax Home no, no. of Companies. He's he's a work he's a workaholic. He's a machine, and like he's he's just a smart guy to be around. And like I like hanging around with him because I think that I'll go back to the story really quickly. But you're the you're the sum of the five people you hang around the most. You hang around five sharks, you're gonna be a sixth shark, or a fifth shark, or four sharks, you're gonna be the fifth shark. If you hang around five lo- four losers, you're gonna be the fifth loser. Yeah. So I surround myself with people who are, are forward thinking, open minded people who want to do better in life as well, right? So I'm sitting down there in the office cold calling and I always cold call standing up. Because your voice you portray. Yeah, you your projects, voice a lot, yeah the I right? do that too. I stand yeah. up. Or apparently I, my I, voice
1: protracts, but I don't no, know. But I will walk around the room, I can't sit still. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll walk around my office and... You're pacing back and Yeah, forward. I pace. Even when I'm doing deals, I'll pace. Okay. Yeah, I pace when I'm even negotiating. <laughs> no, we didn't have, yeah. have
2: AirPods back then. Right? We plug the thing into your phone. Yeah, yeah. And you have your Apple things hanging down and you're pacing back and forth. Uh, yeah. no, nothing's dying. All your scripts are on the wall, too. Right? Like, all your objection handlers, everything's on the wall. You're banging out the phone calls. Steve comes. He's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, cold call. He's like, why are, you, why are you dressed like that? I don't know I was dressed okay. I was wearing a dress pants, like chinos and a dress shirt and stuff tucked in, brown belt, brown shoes. And he's like, put a suit on. I said, put a suit on. I'm not going out to meet any clients. Like, what if a client told you right now, come next to your home. Are you going to go like that? I'm like, probably, yeah. He's like, no, put a suit. on. You're dealing with people's multi-million dollar possessions. Wear a suit. And ever since then, that was like almost 10 years ago, I've, you've probably never seen me without a jacket on. I always have a blazer on every right, single day. Well, I don't do a lot of the dress shirt and stuff anymore just because it's more of a casual feel for me. I
1: always have a blazer on. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, did you want to touch on the Durham market or? Yeah,
1: maybe not Durham market. Maybe just, you touch on the Durham market, but as a whole, the real estate Toronto. market. Yeah, Toronto, like, <clears throat> it's very confusing what's going on right now. People will see like, you know, offer dates starting again, prices going higher, some are going less. Like, where are you seeing the market right now and what are your, kind of predicting
2: yeah well predictions are hard because we don't have to crystal the ball however you gotta remember like the city of Toronto is like a balloon right so you look at downtown core you think about the balloon and then it expands and expands and it hits a 905 and they do really great and then something happens it's poof and it starts going down so it's always been what goes up last comes down first so we've always seen that where Durham's far further away from Toronto Brampton Mississauga York region, they always go up in price. Last once Toronto gets overpriced, and then they deflate a little bit, and then they they feel a little bit. But Toronto never really feels it as hard as the outside regions. So we have to play with that number one. So what is let's you have to rewind now. Like what's happened over the last couple of years to cause what we're experiencing in this market today? So you think about March twenty twenty. I'm getting ready to go to a trip of Florida. I just got back from Vegas for R four, uh, which is that huge Remax convention yeah. in Vegas. Uh, next year is March, if you guys want to go. It's in March. Um, next year, I'll probably be there. So you think about that, for instance. Like you have March 2020. Um, the market is sort of like it was picking up a lot in February 2020. Jan, February 2020, the market was on fire. It was going crazy. Yeah. COVID hits. Dougie Ford shuts down the province. And we're like, what do we do now? Offices are closed. No one knows what's going on. We're laying off staff, let of front and center. We're shutting our offices down. We're trying to do everything online and the market's just not moving. I think that month it was probably like 2,500 transactions. But for a March, that is hurting. April passes, May passes, and it starts slowly picking up again, right? And then we started going into this frenzy where people's like, okay, this COVID thing isn't as bad. It was bad, of course. I'm not trying to downplay it. But for the real estate market, it was like, hey, you know, we can leave our condo downtown buy a bigger place out in Durham region or in the Kawarthas or Muskoka, wherever it is, and get rid of a house downtown. And I'm just going to work remotely because a lot of people got to work remotely. So a lot of people did that. It added so much fuel to our marketplace. And from, I would say, July of 2020 to February of 2022, which is a long time, it was up, 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 just craziness. But also during that time, we had an inflation problem. And with inflation, interest rates started going up, as we all know. So in February 2022, the tap sort of just shut off on everything as far as the crazy price appreciation. And quite frankly, it reminded me a lot of 2016 into 2017, before Kathleen made the Fair Housing Plan announcement. That was, I think, April 17th, 2017, um, that happened. And that shut the market down as well for six to eight months. So... We're going now into February 2022. Overheated market, multiple offers like crazy. Properties, townhouses selling for astronomical prices. Yeah, crazy prices. Over it was a ridiculous. million. Over a million. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was looking at some of them. Like, oh my god, this guy just paid that for that. Yeah. And if you if you watch certain apps, I'm not going to name the name of the apps, it tells you okay, this person bought this house thirty two percent, dropped thirty two percent, and sold it. Like they lost thirty two percent of the sale price, which oh, is like wow. three hundred grand in a lot of time cases. So February 2022 kicks around. March is still going pretty strong, but interest rates are going. And we see eight interest rate hikes. And I said in a meeting, I don't know if you remember, Aleem, like, I don't know, three or four months ago, I was talking in our month, our Monday meeting, and I'm like, you know, once the Bank of Canada starts even giving an insight or England that interest rates are going to be held at this rate, it's, it's going to go, go it's crazy. It's going to go crazy, yeah.
1: And I called it. And that's exactly what's kind of happening right now, right? It's exactly it's like what happened. They haven't increased the interest rate, so prices are going up again. Yeah. And and, and there's gonna, no inventory, right? Inventory is slim. It's, there's inventory there, but they're not, it's not
2: that but much. But you got to look at inventory maps. Like City of Toronto has a lot of inventory, but they also have a lot of sales naturally because City of Toronto. Yeah, it
1: balances yeah. itself it up. It balances
2: itself sort of. But if you go into Durham, inventory is so low, but the number of transactions, so even that stuff that no one even wanted to buy, they're, still, they're buying up now because there's just not enough inventory. And with the Bank of Canada saying, hey, we're going to hold off for a bit, just give that kind of idea. And there was a lot of articles recently. Oh yeah, maybe we'll go down by twenty-five basis points or fifty basis points. So when we hear this rate hold in April, tomorrow is, is it, it tomorrow. Seventh is 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 it, is it or twelfth? Tomorrow will be the seventh. Yeah, so I think it's tomorrow. It's Anyways, tomorrow. whatever they're going to do it this month, they're going to talk about a rate hold. Most likely, that's just going to go. I I think that's going to create some some commotion as well. So yeah, you place. mentioned
0: that there's no crystal ball in real estate, right? So none. like. Here's the thing. So I've been speaking with some potential uh, first-time home buyers who are thinking about getting into real estate. Um so they're at the point right now where they're wondering, you know, maybe we wait a little bit, maybe the prices are going to go lower, interest rates are possibly going to go lower. So like you ne- you never know, right? But mm-hmm. from an investment perspective, what kind of advice would you give a new home
2: Buy the buyer? product real estate? Think about it. Like, go back to March 2020, where the average, I'm just going to choose Pickering, for instance. Yeah. The average sale price in Pickering in March 2020 was $770,000. The average sale price in Pickering in February 2022, freehold properties, was like $1.4 double, okay. almost double that of March. So, real estate, it goes up and down like a tollable seat. Yeah. But what has happened since 1996, we've seen an upward trajectory in real estate. Although there has a bit of dips, it's continuously going up. So, the longer that first time home buyer sits on the sidelines, is, oh, I'm gonna wait for interest rates or this and that, those excuses mean they're not gonna get in the marketplace. Now, I've had first time home buyers when you could buy a home in Whippy for $428,000, be hesitant about that. And then we sell their home and they're selling for $800,000, but the market dipped during that time too, mm-hmm. and it went back up for them. So, the best time to buy real estate was 10 years ago. Let's face it, buying a home 10 years ago is a great time. The second best time to buy a home in real right now is right now. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future because most likely that first time home buyer who's probably buying a condo or a townhouse, or whatever, that's not going to be the first their forever home. They'll probably flip that home within the first five years of living there. Most likely. Not a stat. I'm just saying.
1: Okay. No, which is true. And some people try to, as a first-time home buyer, buy like the perfect home. Right, what the hell is a perfect home? And you know, in their eyes, it's like I want everything turnkey to come in. I want the white marble countertops. I want this fridge. I want three thousand square feet, but that's not realistic. No, right? You just like, you're right. You you tell me this all the time. Just buy something. Just buy something because
2: like you think about it like this too. Like I, I've purchased properties that needed a ton of work, and I put the money into it. And if I bought that property finished, it'll cost me more. Then I purchased it, including putting the work into it. Yeah. So they have options on mortgages, like purchase plus improvements. So many people don't even talk about that anymore. We used to use it all the time. But get a purchase plus improvement mortgage. It works. So what is a what is a purchase plus improvement mortgage? So you buy a home that needs a little extra work, for instance. Let's say you got to put, and it has to be improvements to turn money into the home. can't be painting. So you, it needs a kitchen. It needs bathrooms. It needs floors, things like that done to it. You go to your bank and say, "Listen, I want to buy this at five hundred thousand dollars or six hundred thousand dollars, but I want an additional loan of a hundred grand to go into the renovations of this property." So what they do is, before closing, you get a quote done um, on the property from a contractor, and you supply that to the bank, and the bank's like, "Okay, well, once this work's done, we'll release these funds to you for the work that you're done." But they have to do; someone has to come out and see the Work being that's been done and you have to have a a signed letter from the contractor or an invoice showing you've put the money into it. So you have to put the funds out of your own pocket, whether you want to use a line of credit, whatever it is for that, it's up to you. Get the funds in your own pocket and they pay it back and it goes towards your mortgage. So a lot of times you could buy a $500,000 home or $600,000 home, asset purchase plus. And now you have a seven hundred thousand dollars home, but it's valued at nine hundred because you put so much work into it.
1: Yeah, true. I didn't know you could do that actually. So, oh really? No, I didn't know that. That's why I oh, was asking you what it was. <laughs> 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 I just learned something new. Right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I oh, didn't know seriously? that. Seriously? So, I'm looking for a house. I should look. I should talk about. I should purchase plus improvements. Yeah, purchase plus improvement. Yeah, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, so it's additional mortgage yeah. you're getting. Yeah, and it's at the same rate. Everything's everything's the same, same
1: but you're getting more. It's like a credit, basically, right? Yeah, you're just gonna put the money in, in your own pocket. pocket. Yeah. You
2: redo the fridge, you do the, the kitchen, you do the bathrooms, you bring the floors. You customize it however you want, and then you tell the bank, Okay, I'm done. And you have a certain time frame to get it done. They get sixty days. So you buy the property, within sixty days you get your renovations done and they release the money to you in full.
1: Okay, uh, that's a good tip. <laughs>
0: okay. I I've heard of something similar yeah. to that, but yeah, I just learned.
1: Like I knew more about construction loans you can get to redo their house and at do a it like at a high interest rate, but never from like an actual bank before.
2: It's more if you're gonna tear it down and rebuild so, it. Yeah. Money.
1: Yeah, no. So that's some something something that, that we lot learn. needs to be paid off in full. <laughs> yeah, to something
2: yeah. like that. You can't just go, tear bang, go and tear down properties, bank loan still.
1: Yeah, I know that's true. Good stuff. Um, I was gonna ask you. So, what when you first started in the industry? Do you remember your first deal? Yeah, and, I like, and how how it went and like it was terrible. Yeah, Do you want to elaborate? So, can, my can fir- you elaborate, elaborate? Of course.
2: So, my first deal was a house in Oshawa. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who the listing agent is. He still works in real estate, not for Hallmark though <laughs> anyway, so i it says on the on the brokery remarks i have and we always printed the MLS sheets. I guess people nowadays use more iPads and stuff but back then printed on the MLs sheets, and we didn't have like broker Bay and stuff back then. Everything was a manually through the eye like I feel like I'm so old now it hasn't been that long ago. So on the brokery marks, it says, you know register offer by three pm presenting at seven p m well, I didn't read register offer by 3 p.m. uh am presenting at 7 p.m. I just thought that I had to go to the house at 3 p.m. and bring the offer. So I'm with my client. We go to a coffee time. We sign the offer. Everything's good to go. I get to get our bank draft. I go to the house. Someone told me to get a bank draft. I go to the house. I knock on the door and the owner opens the door and is like, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to present my offer. They're like, what are you talking about? Seven o'clock and it's three o'clock now, right? And I was like, oh, shoot. So I go back in my car. And one thing I tell agents, never speak in your car Bluetooth with your client in the car. So the I called the <laughs> agent up. I'm like, hey, I went to the house to present the offer. The seller said 7 o'clock. And he basically called me every name in the book. <laughs> and he said, like, you're an idiot because yeah. it's registration at 3 o'clock. And I didn't know what registration meant. So you go to your entire – at the time, we did REA courses. Now it's Humber College. So we go through the entire Humber College course now, or ARIA, and they don't, I don't think Humber does it. I don't I remember, don't recall it in ARIA, talking about registering offers and that no, kind of they stuff. No, don't, they don't like,
1: talk about any of that, no.
2: That's on-the-ground training yeah. Yeah. that I screwed up on because I didn't listen to any. I didn't even know, what I, I'm not going to lie, when I had to do my first waiver, I didn't even know what that was. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was so green, right? And I remember going to the house, and the offer is a mess, by the way. I remember showing the offer to Deborah, and she's like, oh my God, who did this? <laughs> and there's literally initial, I have a copy of it still. There's initials everywhere. The things are literally with initials because I had to literally handwrite most of the stuff in because I made so many errors on it, right? Anyways, long story short, I'm in the car. The client's there. This agent is really, really me. The client definitely knows I'm brand new. <laughs> That's my first deal. And I'm like, I ended up, they didn't get it. I didn't get it anyways. And uh, that sucked. That sucked. Yeah.
1: But it's a good learning experience. So on your next yeah. one, you made sure you read every single thing on the MLS listing? The next <laughs> one was the same client, oh, sold of the house. Okay. Uh, it was
2: two days after I started working in real estate full-time. Because when I was transitioning out of my role at Hallmark, we hired somebody else. And I was kind of just dabbling, doing open houses, that kind of stuff. And then I started uh, full-time. And the worst thing about this... So, so wait, is, was
1: this before you were with Michelle Fraser? Or?
2: I, I joined Michelle at this point. Time, okay, so I was about four months with myself. So I joined Michelle this time. And the worst thing is, is... When you're in real estate, I always ask the agents when they join us. That's why I'm very selective of higher agents. Can you go the next six months without a paycheck? I ask everybody that, especially if you're newer, because it, it could be a long period of time before you start earning some income. Cause you're always 90 days out from your next transaction. You do whatever you do today will pay off in
1: 90 days. Yeah, that's true. I'm so in that too. Yeah. You're, you you I asked you that too. You asked me that too. Like, yeah. Anything I've closed right now, I'm not getting paid to June, July. Well, there you go. There's
2: yeah, yeah. there's right there. So my deal I did in December didn't close to August the next year because they were bought new build. Oh, okay. So it was a long closing. It's a long closing. Close, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this money. And then I'm like, boom, it's like eight months <laughs> down the road. I'm going to turn my next birthday going to flip by and I'm still not going to get paid. So <laughs> I was able to sell a, a numerous amount of homes right after that, which was good. Um, but again, most of it wasn't from my sphere. A lot of it was door knocking, cold calling, open houses, that kind of stuff.
1: All right. so for sorry do you want no no, 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 for um a new agent or even a season agent, like you do you think it's smart at the start to join a team, or you think a team is not for everybody? like for you, a team worked, right? A team worked for me, but in, you know, I wasn't
2: probably the best for a team because I'm sort of a I dance to beat of my own drum, I guess you can say I'm more of a natural leader where I can have a team under me and coach them and mentor them and stuff. But being on a team, I'm not really. I don't really work in regimented environments that well. I don't. I kind of have my own schedule and that kind of stuff. I like it like that. Um, but for new agents, I always suggest for new agents don't go on a team right away. Then why, why? grind it out for first six months because when you go on a team right away, you don't respect the fact that that team lead has to put an X amount of dollars into marketing or running an actual business because you don't. You've never done it. So when you get licensed, try it out for six months to a year, and if it doesn't work for you then move into a team environment. And team leads the same. Like they, a lot of team leads take on brand new agents and then they end up leaving. So it's an administrative burden bringing someone on to your team. And then it's a more of a burden to replace them and also uh, terminate them from the team and blah, blah, blah. So let them go on it for their own for, for six to eight months. Get proper mentorship and coaching through a brokerage, through training, through mentorship, that kind of stuff. And then if it doesn't work after that, then go in a team environment. Before that, I would suggest... You grind it out and just find a good mentor.
0: Yeah, we had that conversation, me and you. I probably gave you the same answer. Yeah, you gave me the same answer. For me, I was like, you know, I did consider a team. I thought, I hate doing the back-end work. And, like, you were talking about your offer being a mess. My first was a complete disaster as well. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. know what I was doing. You know, I then I had someone look over and they're like, holy smokes, like, what did you do? And, but, yeah, so. Yeah, my
1: my first offer, I spelt my name wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you told yeah but yeah. I reviewed your first offer. You reviewed it. So you, I you make a policy <laughs> yeah.
2: to any new agent comes in our company, they're not allowed to put an offer in or a listing agreement, anything in place unless I review it first. Yeah. Because yeah. I know what it's like to be a brand new agent. And I didn't take, I had that option. I kind of call Steve, but I was just so gung-ho to do everything myself. Like, yeah, I want to go. And I remember Michelle Fraser telling me, this, Sam, you still have training wheels on, chill out. And I'm like, yeah. no, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do everything and you got to step back sometimes and people are there to help you let them help you yeah it's a lot you definitely need that yeah you need it. it's a lot it's a lot, it's a lot to do it, yeah yeah now i review every offer i need i need that's why we don't hire a lot of new agents but any new agent that i hire they, they can't put an offer unless i see it first
0: yeah they might spell their name wrong yeah, yeah there you go <laughs>
1: i think i think i think i did everything else almost correct there was some errors there were some but i think the biggest one was my name was wrong. Well. <laughs> yeah that's okay these things happen <laughs>
0: So, Sam, as we're coming uh, near the end of our show, is there anything you might be able to, like, let us in on or any interesting stories you have?
2: So you want a real estate story? I got lots of them, but I'll keep it uh, pretty PG for this show. Okay. So I know you probably want to hear about we people want to doing you. crazy things uh, in yeah, open houses and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. no need to be PG, but if uh, you want. Yeah, yeah I'll keep it PG. So I recall uh, a few years ago, I'm in a courtroom situation. So I kind of want to end this podcast so people understand that our role as broker of records or broker managers or internal people in brokerages, our role is to help you guys in your funny situations. I think a lot of agents don't realize that every transaction you do, you're so close to a litigation situation because of the legal paperwork that you're handling in a transaction. So number one, always read your agreement of purchase and sale. If you haven't done rather full agreement of purchase and sale as yet, please do. or cooperation, a buy rep agreement. Make sure you know that thing in and out because you go to a seller or a buyer one day and they ask you a clause, you better know what that clause means. So we're in a situation where a house is sold, uh, let's just say in 2012. I'm just going to throw dates out there because I can't remember exactly. It sells in 2012 for, you know, a million dollars, a nice house at Young and, and Lawrence area. Um, the Deal is double ended. Is an office double lender. The uh, buyer can't close on the transaction, and the the seller's agent, also the buyer's agent, because it's an office double lender, decides to make try to make this thing work and talk to the buyer and say, you know what, give us a further deposit of like ten grand per month for eight months, eighty thousand dollars, and you can we'll make sure this deal finally goes through. Seller agrees to it. Buyer agrees to it. Buyer pays like three or four months of that eighty thousand dollars, and then stops paying. So now the seller has a deposit of like say hundred grand, plus the extra forty thousand dollars. But the deal now is in jeopardy because the remaining further deposit hasn't been given to the seller, uh, to the seller's listing bro- to the listing brokerage in, uh, for the seller. So doesn't close. Seller turns around, resells the property. Now, keep in mind, as markets increase, like I asked the question earlier, the market did increase substantially during this time. So the seller ends up selling for like $300,000 more than they originally sold it for anyway, so they actually won. Yeah. But it's still $140,000 sitting in a, in a trust account, our trust account. Where's that money going to go? Like, we can't touch trust account money. You got to understand as a brokerage, unless it's a mutually signed by the buyer and seller, and also, or as a court order, saying we must transfer the funds to whatever. There's none in this case because the seller's not signing a mutual lease and the buyer wants a mutual release to get this money back, but they can't. So the seller turns around and sues the buyer and says this buyer's caused us problems, blah, blah, blah. So we go into a mediation setting. Now, mediation, if you've probably never been in a mediation setting, it's where there's different sides. It's not in a court situation as yet, but you're in a mediation. So you have the seller side, you have the buyer side, and then you have the room where everybody's in, and it's a mediator involved there too. Uh, it's a Toronto North mediation. It's expensive. There's like five grand per room per day. There's lunches oh, and everything. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, you get like a buffet and stuff. It's crazy. So <laughs> we're there, and the you've been there a lot. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't go there very often anymore. Uh, it's been a been a while. Um, so we're there, and we find out that through you know hearing chatter and stuff. The buyer ended up buying like a two Mercedes Benz or something for his kids before closing. That's why oh, he couldn't close. That's why he couldn't. Yeah. yeah. So it was a mess. And we didn't hear it. He was outside <laughs> talking to somebody else about that. got to wait to close <clears> first. Yeah. You would think so. They, we found out about this. The seller ended up obviously hearing about it. Goes back and says, the reason why you couldn't close is because of the two Benzes. Anyways, long story <laughs> short, we ended up finishing his mediation. The buyer lost his deposit, lost his further deposit. Wow. Um, and had to pay for the actual mediation day, which like 20 grand worth of expenses. Wow. So, in, in addition to losing 140 grand, he ended up losing another 20,000 or something like that. Let's just $160, a $160,000 day because of two
0: Mercedes Benzes. Yeah, he, I'm sure he had to get rid of those Benzes after that day. Yeah, he must yeah. have.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, so just a note if you are closing a house, don't buy anything yeah. until after closing. One hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that's a <laughs> <great>. Never purchase. <laughs> yeah, good. that's very useful bit of information. Yeah, don't go buy furniture, sure.
1: buying a car, don't buy anything yeah. like that. Like go, go, go wait till you
0: close. Yeah, okay. wait till you close. Yeah, absolutely. No,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. no. All. all right. Perfect. So I think yeah, we're we're just out of time right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much for coming.
0: Yeah, it's been great meeting yeah, it's you. It's great yeah, meeting. Nice meeting you too. Yeah, nice and having you on.
1: So if people want to reach out to you or anything like that, do you want to give them like a social media handle? Sure. It's, it's perfectly written. My broker Sam, my yeah. dot broker Sam.
2: Uh, Sam at RemaxHallmark.com is my email address, and my phone number is on my Instagram account. Uh, check out my Instagram account because I do post a bit of content on there regarding real estate as well. Okay, perfect. Thank Excellent. you again. Thank you. Right. You're welcome. Right. You're welcome.
0: Right. Stay tuned for the next episode of Real Talk with Aleem and myself, Brandon. Be sure to subscribe to all channels. Until next time.